Welcome to the Free Range Preacher on Prayer podcast. What you're about to hear is another mini-episode in our month of October celebration, and our goal is to encourage your soul from the Word of God. So some of these will be about prayer, others will just be about God's Word. But I do thank you for listening. Again, my name is Fred, and God is merciful to make me the host of the podcast. We do thank you for listening. Again, this is our anniversary month, and we're really excited, excited about the next year as well. Along with these mini-episodes, we are offering a PDF version of the Foundational Prayer Primer to anyone who emails us at freerangeprayer at gmail.com. And now on to the episode. On day seven, we're going to take a look at spiritual growth and what a beautiful thing it is. Now, you may be tempted to believe, we may be tempted to believe, that our days are the pinnacle of cold-hearted crime. We see it all the time. There's no shortage of murder mysteries and crime shows. But the Bible's correct about this, too, when it says that there is nothing new under the sun. Today, we're considering the brothers of Joseph. And you know the story. They planned, in a premeditated way, to murder their brother. But an opportunity arose which made the boys a little money, and it assuaged their guilt. I'm not sure how it did that, but it did. And so if we look in Genesis 37, we see in verse 26, Judah is saying to his brothers, What profit is it? for us to kill our brother and to cover up his blood. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. Now they made a little scratch, as you young people say these days, and somehow condemning their brother to slavery made them feel a little less guilty. Now I'm not sure I understand that, but that's what they did. Now, as you also know, that was God's providence. In the end, God showed his glory and his provision through those circumstances. But his brothers didn't know that at the time. So the question comes, is that cold-blooded enough? Would an episode like that might even make it on law and order? Then, carrying ahead in their scheme, Genesis 37:31 says, They took Joseph's tunic and slaughtered a male goat and dipped the tunic in the blood. And they sent the very colored tunic and brought it to their father and said, We found this. Please examine it to see whether it is your son's tunic or not. Then he examined it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. So they carried out their scheme all the way to the end. Now, if that's not law and order criminal intent callousness for you, the following surely is. For they were witness to Jacob, in verse 34, who tore his coat, his clothes, and put sackcloth on his loins, and mourned for his son many days. And then his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him. How cold is that? They arose to comfort their father, who they themselves afflicted. But as you've read or might expect, he refused to be comforted. And he said, Surely I will go down to Sheol in mourning for my son. In Hebrew thought, Sheol was the place of the dead, and it contained a safe paradise place with Abraham, and then a place of torment for everyone else. Now, I myself hate suspense, and I always have to skip to the end of the book, or a TV show, and read the last chapter. So let's jump ahead in our story. Joseph, in time, became a great ruler in Egypt, and he engineered a solution to the famine that was in his new home, and actually all the region. So while he was in disguise, he fed his erstwhile brothers once. But when they came back with their brother Benjamin, his full brother, to be fed again, Joseph was harsh with them. And in a premeditated manner, he carried out a scheme to keep Benjamin in Egypt. 
So now we pick up in Genesis 44. And even though God had molded Joseph and had afflicted him to temper his pride, I believe, Joseph, at this point, was shooting for criminal intent mischief. Then he was surprised because his brother Judah, you remember Judah, the man who had the plan to make money by selling his brother into slavery, that Judah. Now he has a new plan, and he says this, Now therefore, when I come to your servant my father, and the lad is not with us, since his life is bound up in the lad's life, it will come about that when he sees the lad is not with us, that he will die. Thus your servants will bring the gray hair of your servant, our father, down to Sheol in sorrow. And that was in verse 30. That started in verse 30 of chapter 44 as well. And then he continued. He didn't stop there. And then he says this, For your servant became surety for the lad to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then let me bear the blame before my father forever. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad, a slave to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me, lest I see the evil that would overtake my father? Now, that, of course, is Jacob, Joseph's dad as well. And surety, in case you haven't figured it out by the context, is a guarantee. So he guaranteed Benjamin's safe return. Now think just for a moment about Judah's concern juxtaposed to the beginning of our story. Joseph certainly must have. And at these words, beginning in chapter 45 of Genesis, it says, Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, Have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard of it. And then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? So a very emotional act has just taken place. And Joseph couldn't control himself, and he revealed himself with tears to his brothers. And I believe Joseph was actually withered under the work that God had done in his brothers' lives. Judah, of all people, was the lead for his brothers. And what they did, in essence, was put Jacob before themselves. When they killed Joseph, they had no thought of their father, only themselves. And now they're taking responsibility for the sorrow of their father and their cause of his sorrow, which would be compounded in grief if Benjamin did not come home. Willingly, now, after all these years, Judah was submitting himself to be the slave to his brother, the brother that he hated so much and that he had enslaved in the distant past. For the sake of Jacob and Benjamin and even all his brothers, and this was motivated not by the love of money or revenge, but a selfless love to his father and his brothers. At this new tender-hearted brother, Joseph knew he could not exact the revenge he was seeking, but he was called to save his brothers who hated him and to bring them to refuge in Egypt. And he wasn't keeping his newfound riches all to himself. He wept and cried and was reconciled to his family. He saw the change in their lives. I believe that's why he changed his tactic. Now, as an old man, I can tell you truly, it's not the supposed joy of getting revenge that's a wonderful thing. Even if you get your justice criminal intent style, the greatest joy comes when we see a brother or a sister grow and mature in Christ who may have made devastating mistakes early on in their lives, who perhaps even wronged you and hurt you. 
but they now have matured at least to a closer walk, to a closer to the image of Christ. That is truly glorious. It brings rejoicing even in heaven. Think of the story of the prodigal son. How much more unspoiled would have been the father's joy if the older brother had joined in the reverie and embraced his long-lost sibling, and rejoice with an even greater fervor for his dad's sorrow and mourning had finally ended. What a special day that would have been to the prodigal son's father. Spiritual maturity and reconciliation, my family, is eternally superior and more soul-satisfying than any revenge scenario you or I could concoct. If our Father in heaven and all the holy elect angels wait at the gate every day for the change of heart and the restoration of a wayward son, why, knowing the love of Jesus as we do, should we prefer their suffering and our revenge than the joy of God and the joy of salvation and the joy of restoration? We do thank you, Jesus, for thy divine power even the power to your children to give us hope and to prove our trust is true and to know you are working in us personally, both to will and to work your good pleasure. And we understand that we're not your favorite son, but loved divinely through the shed blood because of the shed blood of your only truly begotten son. You are blessing all your multitudes, all our brothers and sisters, and you care for the one lost sheep Help us, Lord, to look at thy great mercies and watch in wonder at that which seemed to be lost when it comes back desiring your will above theirs. And help us, holy God, for we know intimately thy great forgiveness. Help us to rejoice in their turning and help us to seek as we mature that same forgiveness from all those brothers that we have wronged, all to the glory and purpose of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We do bless thee for thy goodness in the name of our Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Our trust only comes as we know him, as we get closer to God and we know him. And then we can feel his heart of compassion, not only for us, but for our brothers and sisters as well. Revenge might be entertaining from time to time, but living out and witnessing divine renewal is eternal and glorious. Thank you once again for listening, and until tomorrow, May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Free Range Preacher. We hope you enjoyed it and will join us for our next broadcast coming up soon. For Fred and myself, this is Richard Durrington saying, Make it a godly, fun-filled day.